Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of July 2nd through the 4th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. For those of us based in the United States, hope you had a happy 4th of July weekend. Um, I myself had a pretty decent one, though pretty low-key. Um, I just stayed in mostly, caught the fireworks on the East River here in New York on Saturday. Uh, it was just nice to see everyone out together again enjoying the show after you know a year of being inside. Um, oh, I did also watch the 1996 film Independence Day, appropriately enough. Um, the one with Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. Uh, it's been the first time I saw it in quite a while and still holds up for sir. Bill Pullman's speeds about it being your independence they just always hits me right there. I definitely stood up and gave it a standing ovation, even if it was just me and my wife alone in our movie theater, in our uh, in our living room. So, yeah. Uh, oh, and before we get into the meat of things, I do have to say this is the 69th episode of the podcast officially, so I'm obliged to say this. Nice. Okay, uh, with that out of the way, let's get into the box office news for this past holiday weekend. Uh, for this week, for this week, we'll be only going over the Monday, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Not looking at the Monday, since um, generally, yes, it's a four-day weekend most likely. But I know there are places that probably don't have the four, the Fourth of July off on Monday. Might might have moved it to Friday. So yeah, we'll, I'm I'm just gonna go with the uh, with the three-day weekend. So, in first place, uh, for in its second week, we have Universal's F9 in 4,203 theaters, grossing $22.8 million in four, uh, uh, for a per-theater average of $5,439. Now, that's a pretty steep drop-off of about 67%, even if it didn't lose any theaters. Uh, Hobbs and Saw dropped only 58%, and F8 dropped 61%, so I don't think the legs on this are looking to be particularly great. Now, part of that may be because it's the holiday weekend. As I mentioned last episode, the last time we saw uh, the 4th of July fall on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, you know, we saw as much as a 27% drop in total box office uh, versus the week prior. So, uh, yeah, maybe because people are spending time with their family, uh, you know, ironically, that's hurt, that hurt the family here. Uh, have you seen all those Vin Diesel memes or they're inserting him into all these different movies about and how he's beating them all with the power of family? Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely super, super crazy uh, seeing that kind of blow up. Um, in any case, Family has brought F9 to be the third film to reach $100 million domestically since the pandemic, sitting at $115.9 million so far. Uh, it did so in eight days, uh, the fastest post-pandemic to do so. A Quiet Place 2 needed about twice as long to get there. Uh, Aeronationally, F9 has sought past Godzilla vs. Kong's $446 million to hit $490 million to date worldwide, uh, to nab the title of highest-grossing Hollywood film post-pandemic, and currently at number 3 in 2021's global box office chart. Uh, the next highest in that list is Detective Chinatown 3, uh, a couple hundred million away at over $700 million. So unlikely it's going to be able to reach there. Um, that being said, F9 will likely have reached $500 million by the time uh, this episode goes goes up. Um, again, the first Hollywood film to do so since 2019's Jumanji Next Level, uh, with predictions saying this could hit $600 million in 50 markets it's already in. At the very least, it's the first film to gross more than Demon Slayer did worldwide, uh, meaning it's already on top of everything released in 2020, and it's already beat its production budget of $225 million, though that doesn't account for whatever marketing and advertising they've already they've done for this film. So uh, definitely, I think, a little bit more to do so in order to, to, to beat that, to, to definitely break even. 
Uh, in second place, Universal also comes in with their family-friendly film, The Boss Baby 2, coming in at $16 million in 3,644 theaters and also streaming on, pay- on Peacock for paid membership only uh, for a per-theater average of $4,402, right on the money for what Box Office Pro had forecast that they would have on their opening weekend. That's definitely a drop-off from the first film, which opened in 2017 to $50 million and went on to make $175 million domestically. The reported budget for Boss Baby 2 is only $80 $2 million compared to the original's $152 million, but even if they have the same 3.5x multiplier, uh, this was going to only get to $56 million domestically, which doesn't look great for them. That being said, if Boss Baby 2 is able to pull off a Croods 2 or Riot-style multiplier, uh, which you know those animated films have done, those were at over 6x multiplier. Um, so you know it'll be able to get to maybe $96 million over the long run. Now, given that there aren't really any family-friendly kid movies until August 20th, I think is the first one, with Paw Patrol, uh, which is six weeks away, uh, followed by Clifford the Big Red Dog, which definitely looks like a nightmare in my opinion, uh, on September at 10 weeks away, or the double hit of Adam's Family 2 and Hotel Transylvania 4, uh, 12 weeks away in October, I have a feeling Boss Baby 2 will stick around for a while, I think. Uh, internationally, it's made about a million and a half in eight smaller markets, and so it sits at 17.5 million to date. Uh, most markets will actually come out sometime in October, and Japan, which was the which was the largest market outside of the U.S. for the film at 30 million dollars last time, uh, was coming out in December. So again, definitely going to be a slow burn for Boss Baby 2. I think it'll surprise us. Um, the first film made 352 million dollars totally uh, worldwide. Uh, in third place domestically, Universal completes their turkey or hat trick or whatever you want to call it uh, with the Forever Purge. It made $12.5 million in 3,051 theaters and has a per theater average of $4,090 in its first weekend. The lowest opening of the franchise to date on the largest budget to date, uh, which makes sense that then this is the allegedly the last film in the franchise. Now that being said, that budget was only $18 million, so it's probably going to beat that handily. Uh, combined with the $3.5 million it made in 22 markets worldwide, Worldwide, it sits at $16 million lifetime. Now, that being said, it did also outperform Box Office Post forecast domestically of $9.6 million for the weekend, so there may be a little bit more uh, to this film than the initial numbers suggest. Now, in fourth place, we have the ever reliable Acquired Place 2, making $4 million in 2,826 theaters, per theater average of $1,442 in its sixth weekend, a 34% drop versus last week. Uh, domestic total to date is $144 million, while internationally it now sits at $122 million for a lifetime total of $268 million. Uh, rounding out the top five, we have The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, making $3 million in its third weekend, dropping 38% in 2,582 theaters and losing 779 of those in the process uh, for a per theater average of $1,164. Domestically, its, date, its total to date is $31.3 million, with another $14.5 million abroad, bringing its lifetime total to $45.9 million so far. Now, that's our top five, uh, but we have a number, number of films outside of the fi- top five actually I want to talk about. First off, fun fact, this is the first weekend since the pandemic, uh, the weekend of Mar- March 13th, 2020, uh, where every film in the top 10 has made at least a million dollars, up from only eight films last weekend, uh, thanks to In the Heights sticking in with $1.1 million after losing yet another th- thousand theaters. Uh, Cruella is in sixth place, now at $76 million domestically, and has hit the $200 million mark globally with $127 million abroad for a lifetime total of $203 million, the first Disney film to hit $200 million since the last Star Wars movie. 
Uh, in ninth place, we have the new film from A24, Zola, which is based on a viral tweet thread back from 2015, making $1.2 million in 14 to 68 theaters. And then outside the top 10, we have Questlove's Summer of Soul documentary from Searchlight, making $650,000 in 752 theaters. Not bad, given that it was also available on Hulu. Uh, overall, the domestic box office sits at $68 million, down about 30% from last weekend, so to be expected with the holiday. Um, coming up this weekend is, of course, Black Panther. Oh, sorry, not Black Panther, Black Widow, uh, which I already have my theaters reserved for Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m., so definitely looking forward to that You know, Marvel uh, first night screening um, you know, Box Office Pro currently has their three-day opening forecast at about 80 to $110 million, up 11%. Uh, it's been confirmed it'll be in at least 4,000 theaters uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it certified fresh at 82% with 155 critics. So all told, this is definitely looking like uh, this could potentially be the first $100 million film uh, opening weekend since coming back. Now looking at international news for a bit, Luca from Pixar has so far made $17.4 million in its second weekend, dropping only 27% from last weekend, with Rutsa making the most for this film that's releasing only in non-Disney Plus markets uh, with $5.3 million. Uh, a China release is still TBD. Uh, over in Japan, Godzilla vs. Kong released to 5.6 million US dollars, the largest opening for Warner Brothers in the country since Joker. So, you know, there's an answer on if it would do well over there. Um, and speaking of Japan, the Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, uh, thrice upon a time film we talked about earlier this year, is confirmed to come to Amazon Prime Video August 13th to 240 countries worldwide, aside from Japan, um, as well as the other Evangelion remix film as well. So, I know I'm going to be watching in August. Now, theater opening-wise, we have a bit of a mixed bag. On the positive side, England will be reopening the theaters fully without restrictions July 19th. Uh, meanwhile, Iran has closed movie theaters due to a rise in the Delta variant of the COVID virus, uh, specifically, uh, I think, because the country has about a 2% vaccination rate. Um, in India, social distancing regulations have been relaxed by governments You know, after the Delta virus uh, outbreak started there, but cinema operators are not opening yet without government relief, helping them with the cost of running movie theaters in you know, this time when people are still scared to go out. And then moving over to Guangzhou, the, cha the capital of the Chinese province of Guangdong, uh, which is, happens to be the top movie-going region within the country, theaters have reopened after being closed for a month since June 7th due to a rise in COVID cases back then. Now, speaking of China, July 1st was the 100-year anniversary of the CCP over there, and as such, there was a holiday with a number of new patriotic films in the box office. In first place, we have the nationalist film 1921, uh, grossing $21.4 million over the three-day weekend. In addition to previews, it made $45.6 million to date. Ironically, though, Marianne is not allowed to display its box office prediction for the film, so take for that what you will with regard to the propaganda here. Uh, in second place, a similarly nationalist film The Pioneer made $8.3 million over the three-day weekend, uh, $10.8 million in total. In third place, romance film from Taiwan, When a Man in, is in Love, uh, continues in its run at uh, $3.1 million this weekend, $35 million lifetime. In fourth place, Peter Rabbit 2 made $3 million to add to its $27.5 million total so far. And in fifth place, sports dramedy On Your Mark made $1.4 million this weekend for $21.1 million lifetime. Definitely not a holiday to compare to, say, you know, Lunar New Year uh, for sure. Uh, outside the top five, in sixth place, Cruella is wrapping up its run in China with a total of $23.6 million after a month. 
Uh, moving back domestically, we have a couple of new dates for acquisitions and releases. Um, Warner Brothers picked up the Sundance winning film uh, Son of Monarchs, which it won the Alfred P. Sloan Award for films based on the sciences. Going to be streaming on HBO Max later this fall. Uh, Lionsgate set a new few new movie dates. A documentary film called The Jesus Music about the Christian contemporary music industry set for October 1st. Uh, Unbreakable Boy starring Zach Levi set for March 2022. Uh, and a Nicolas Cage self-parody film called Unbearable, the unbearable weight of massive talent coming out on April 2022. Um, I guess since we're in the second half of 2021, I can you know start looking at 2022. Though it's kind of crazy how fast the year has gone by. Uh, on that note, Focus Features is moving the North American release of Downton Abbey from December 22, 2021 to March 2022. Uh, December 22 is already pretty crowded with Sing 2, The Kingsman, and The Matrix sequel all set for that day still, so definitely, I think, a good move for them there. Um, though it's probably going to then miss out on the various you know, poss- possible Oscar awards for like Best Costume and whatnot. Uh, and then last week, after last week's news that Dune would be moving to October 22nd, uh, Edgar Wright and Focus Features' new film, Last Night in Soho, is moving a week later to October 29th to no longer compete. Uh, it now competes against Third Flight's horror film Antlers, which actually I think was supposed to come out uh, you know, around the time the pandemic hit. Now, speaking of Edgar Wright and Last Night in Soho, since it's likely going to be an awards darling, the Academy has updated the eligibility rules for next year. Again, this is my way of you know podcasting about the uh, Oscars rules since my other Oscars podcast, the Oscars Death Race podcast, is currently on hiatus. Uh, now, the rules that, that that recently were announced, there will officially be 10 Best Picture nominees moving forward starting next year, not the variable number we've been having the past couple of years. Uh, this was announced to happen June 2022, but was just made official with the new board of directors. Uh, some other changes to vi- different categories, some behind-the-scenes stuff with how the sound category shortlist is determined. Uh, score is now changed so that only 35% of the total music must be original as opposed to 60% it was in past years. And for original song, only up to five songs from any one film can be nominated for the film, probably trying to get ahead of some of the uh, more musical numbers to come, films to come out. Uh, and in the sort categories, the sort lists are expanded from 10 films uh, up to 15. Also, the Golden Globes announced new rules for eligibility, allowing non-English films as well as animated films to compete for Best Picture. Um, This is after the backlash they faced for not allowing Minari last year to compete in the category. Uh, They've also renamed that category Best Non-English Language Film as opposed to a Foreign Language Film. Um, They've also made that productions of stage plays are films that are considered documentaries, probably after Hamilton got some nominations last year. Um, Not that any of this will help them, of course, since, you know, they've been canceled for, you know, being uh, probably the worst award, so, um, and NBC is not going to be airing them next year. Uh, moving over to the streaming side of things, after Ryan the Last Dragon's premiere access period ended, according to Nielsen Top 10, uh, it logged over a billion minutes the week of Mar- May 31st, which puts it at the second most watched film of that week uh, behind the series Lucifer on Netflix. Uh, in the first half of 2021, Disney hit 110 million subscribers on Disney+, Plus. though U.S. growth has slowed down, though I'm not surprised given how relatively ubiquitous it's become. Uh, the bulk of the new users came from India with 38 million total currently. Uh, the U.S. and Canada combined reached about 38 million. 
Now, to try to help those numbers, it looks like they're actually going to be partnering with Amazon Music to offer Disney Plus for six months to new subscribers. Um, that being said, of Amazon, uh, apparently they are now also requesting that the FTC chair, Lena Khan, who is a big, outspoken, big tech critic, uh, recuse her herself from antitrust review with regard to the upcoming MGM acquisition due to, quote, demonstrable bias against Amazon, end quote. Uh, the deal still obviously isn't finalized yet, even without the pending regulatory review. So we'll definitely keep an eye to see if it continues on, if there are any other roadblocks to Bond joining the Amazon family. Uh, to close in on some actual box office exhibition news, one big chain, one small chain. Uh, on the big chain side, uh, Amazon uh, AMC is uh, doing buy two, get one free for the month of July as a PSA. So if you haven't yet bought your Black Widow ticket yet, maybe go with two other vaccinated friends. Uh, and on the smaller side of things, noted film buff and director Quentin Tarantino has bought up the local favorite Visa Theater in Los Angeles with plans to reopen it in December and continue being a first-run theater, showing where they can 35mm film prints. This joins his other boutique film ownership of, or theater ownership of the new Beverly Theater, which he's owned since 2014, or early 2007, and managed since 2014. Uh, and with that, I believe that's a wrap for this episode. Send me ideas for what I also I said cover via email at podcast at gmail.com uh, or on, on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Uh, you can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, tell a friend. Any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, uh, which lets me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all that will be in our show notes. The numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com, or intro and outro music come from Kevin Mackley. Find find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Edited and productions provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.